0: Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. So off the bat I'll mention that the topic I'm going to talk about today is very personal and therefore sometimes controversial and because it is so personal we tend to not talk about it but I think it has a big impact in terms of the decisions our clients make and the topic relates to the impact their significant others be it boyfriends, girlfriends, wives, mistresses have on the decisions they make and I think that is one of the things that we've had to learn over time to appreciate that when we're giving advice to a client in some ways we've got to guess what kind of personality and relationship they have with a significant other and how that's going to adjust that advice once they get back home and they, they discuss this or they think about their significant other and the impact their significant other you know is or, or at least the reaction of their significant other so in today's story uh, i'm going to talk about what, who is our youngest client i'm not going to mention her age for confidentiality reasons or the school that she uh, graduated from all i'll say is that she's joining mckinsey Next year, very young. In fact, she's even younger than I was when I went into management consulting. So, so she's a you know bright young lady with a you know enormously bright future, um, articulate, intelligent, funny. Um, you know, she has all the attributes that a great management consultant would consultant would have. So, before I get into the story, I want to tell you a funny story about her. So. The day before her interview, this, no, it was the, day, the morning of her interview, she was about to leave um apartment and go for the interview, and um, she called me to give her some last-minute advice, so she asked me, Michael, um, you know, why do you think I will get the offer from McKinsey? So anyway, I decided to tell her the following line, you know, I told her, you are um, dashing and daring, I think you're courageous and caring. Uh, faithful and friendly, and I'm sure with very ex- exciting stories to share in your McKinsey interview. And at that point, the line cut. For whatever reason, I couldn't get hold of her on her phone, and she went for an interview. She made it through the final round, and I only spoke to her after an uh, interview, after she found out she got in. And she, and she then told me, Michael, you know, thank you so much for those very kind words, and it really made me, inspired me to do my best at McKinsey. And then I told her, Do you know where the words come from? And she said, No. I told her, Well, you know, there's a there's a famous children's cartoon called gummy bears that used to be around in the 1980s the line is from that um, cartoon show it was the opening sequence to the to the you know soundtrack anyway she found it quite amusing but my point is uh, you know as an aside you you don't know what's going to inspire people to do their best and you know yeah we have the line from one of the most cheesy children's cartoon shows of the 1980s obviously very popular at the time which goes on to play a big impact in this lady's life. Anyway, let's get back to the story, right? So anyway, once she got the offer, we had a pretty long discussion about her personal decisions because she has the choice of going home or she has the choice of staying in the United States. You know, I think McKinsey, in her case, was open to allowing her to go back to her home country or let her work in the United States. Um, rare for them to do that, but she was, I would say, exceptional and they allowed her to do that. So we had a long discussion about her... Um, personal decisions and how she's going to make those decisions. Now, up front, I must say that I do not comment on clients' personal lives. I don't do it. I have one strict rule when it comes to personal lives, and that is any decision you make is correct. It can be the stupidest decision in the world on paper, but if you made the decision or you want to make the decision, it is correct. The reason I say that is because it is a personal decision. I can never understand what you are going through or why you are making the decision you are making. So I think it is unfair for anyone to judge another person on personal decisions. And my my view is that if you're a client and you make a decision, then you'll have my 100% support and I'll back you, provided you don't commit any crime, you know, I have your back. So that said, there are certain considerations you need to think through, right? So the way this lady's personality plays out is the fact that she is in a serious relationship uh, where the guy is according to her anyway going to ask her to uh, marry him and she knows from a friend of a friend that he's already set the proposal date and so on which will be fairly soon and you know I, I need to in talking through her options I had to think very carefully about how to word things without telling her what to do but make her think through the considerations because at no point can I be seen to be biased towards any one um, choice or course of action and the way I I position this to her is you know she's a pretty tough lady I would say I I would never say people mess with her you know people do maybe because she looks quite young and so on maybe try to get away with things but I think she's got a tough personality but because she's outwardly tough, I do know that she's inwardly soft. Because as a, as a mentor, I know the things she raises with me and I know how she takes it when people say things to her. So she's outwardly tough, inwardly pretty soft. I mean, you know, it's like a gooey in there. My point is, I think that she thinks she's tough, but she doesn't truly understand that people that she trusts... She allows them to have an undue influence on her. And of course, as a mentor, and she trusts me, I do have an undue due influence on her, and I understand that. But she needs to understand that when she's with her husband-to-be, actually, you know, she's going to almost certainly have a guard down, and he's going to influence her. Now, he's a husband, he should influence her, but... If you've ever worked with me, you know that I am intensely critical, I trust no one, I assume everything is wrong, so I always play devil's advocate and say, you know what, I don't know your husband, I don't know anything about him, so I'm just going to tell you what I would think of not knowing anything about him, I don't know him, but if you have this profile and this kind of personality where you think you are tough, you don't even know you are being influenced by someone. So you need to understand the degree to which you are being influenced. And you need to accept the degree to which you are being influenced. Now, if you don't know the degree to which you are being influenced, and you are being influenced, then you in, then you have a blind spot. And you may, of course you trust the person. Everyone trusts someone when they get married. But my point is, you don't know how this is going to pan out. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your husband. I'm just saying that not knowing anything about him, you need to ensure that, the choices you are making are things that you have fully thought through. Now I have a rule when I was a management consul- when I was a principal and a partner, I had a rule that I had with my team members. I don't know you until I know your significant other. Which people found very strange. Because in most consulting firms, if you've worked in a consulting firm, when you're a relatively junior person, you know, an associate, an analyst and so a consultant, whatever the title is in your firm, the partners don't really care about your significant other. They only tend to care about your significant other when you start becoming more senior and, you know, they need to be respectful to get to know your significant other. I was quite different. I had a rule that, I, you know, I know you, but I don't know the person who has the biggest influence on in you. Therefore, I don't know you. So I, I had a policy that I would try to invite as many of the significant others to events as I could. You know, weekends I used to arrange breakfast, ask them to invite their, you know, most important others along. Because I can't know a person until I know who is whispering in their ear and I don't mean sweet nothings I mean you know who's whispering direction strategy what to do how to cut corners you know how to pursue their career and so on. I need to know who that person is and and it may sound very very harsh to say this but it's it's a fact of life right behind every successful and unsuccessful person there's either someone putting you on the right path or someone pushing you off the right path and to me, I need to know who that person is if you're going to be part of, you know, my team. And I mean, I'm never going to say this to the, my consultants, but that's what I'm thinking. And of course, for the ones I really trusted and the ones who I brought into the inner circle and who were senior, I would tell them directly, this is the way it is. I need to know your wife. And even when we had sort of company events and, you know, those breakfasts I used to arrange, I would make it a policy to spend most of my time talking to the spouses and trying to understand, um motivations what is their career path what are they thinking and so on and, and i'd be quite honest it is extremely rare to find a spouse who is so diametrically opposed in character spirit intent and values to the consultant who is working for me yeah they may have a different personality but that doesn't mean their value system is different it doesn't mean their way of thinking is different You know, i'd see sometimes two spouses comp- look completely different and the consultant is completely different from his wife, but when you spend time with her, your is right, exactly like him. So the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, if, if you want to fit the values of consulting, I'll say it, I'll probably get attacked for it, but it's going to be pretty difficult to do that unless you have the most important person in your life who allows you to be that kind of person who fits that value system, right? So coming back to this client tough exterior, soft interior, exposes herself um, emotionally to people she trusts, which is a few people, and I can imagine the influence they have on her. So anyway, the kind of discussion I was having with her is, you know, she wants to have children. Now, if you've ever worked with firms consulting, if you've ever listened to Kevin Kwan, you've ever listened to myself, you know that we oppose having children when you're a young consultant because we think your career will be over. I'm not for it. I don't support it. If you you know somehow happen to become pregnant and you chose to keep the child, yeah, that's your decision. I'm I'm okay with that. But if you are planning to have a child, that's a completely different story. I think you're setting yourself up for you know a lot of uh, trouble. So we had a long discussion. I think it's like 20 minutes. I counted or, twi- or 30 minutes about why she's choosing to have children, and and eventually she she, unle- she unleashes this. Grand strategy whereby she believes that she is destined to be very senior in business, which I agree with her. I, I could very easily see her, you know, Fortune 100 CEO of a major company one day. So the way she thought it through is that she needs a husband that she can control, or that she has control over him, and she needs to marry that guy when she finds him, so that she's in a relationship where she has control. And because she's in a relationship where she has control, she can focus on her career, give her husband the child, will heal and he'll manage the child, you know, she'll live a life. Now, to her credit, sounds like a brilliant strategy. Not to her credit, I can assure you that there are a lot of other women who have supposedly come up with this brilliant strategy, but it doesn't work. And I personally know of a few women that have tried this strategy. And it didn't work. And let me explain to you why this strategy doesn't work, right? It doesn't work because when you are 21 or younger in this case, I'll say when you're in your early 20s, let's put it that way, right? You think you know, you think you are so clever about strategy, right? You think you know all the little angles. You think you know how to control people, how to manipulate them. You think, wow, I found this guy, in this case it's a guy, and he's the most perfect person in the world for me if I I marry him, I can control him I don't have to go home and deal with my parents I don't have to deal with his in-laws or whatever the issue may be and I can just sit there and I can build my career if I have a child, I'll keep him happy in the marriage he wants to take care of the child so he's even more happy he works from home You know, even better he went to a good Ivy League school even better Uh, I have control of the relationship now the reason why this doesn't work Couple of reasons. You can't be in a relationship where if you're in a relationship because you think you have control over the other person, I can assure you at some time the slaves are going to rebel. The history of mankind is littered with people who thought they were so clever, they had a system of control, even if it was benign, I mean, you know, not violent control, but they influenced and kept control of people through whatever they did and they could do that for eternity it never worked so if you're in a relationship whereby you think that this other person is going to basically do whatever you want them to do because you figure figured them out you're going to have a lot of problem in a few years when that person figures out what has happened or they don't like the lifestyle or for whatever reason this model you've set up whereby you're in control they take care of everything and you live your life is not going to work right the second one which i which i obviously cannot mention to her but i think using having a child to to keep someone under control is a pretty bad idea now i mean i'm I think people do it all the time, let's be honest, right? You know, all these parents who say we had the child because of love, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's always ulterior motives. I think m- maybe 90% of couples are having children for some ulterior motive. So to say that this lady is unusual in that respect, that's not true. Most people have children because they're trying to use it as some kind of bargaining chip, make sure the marriage stays, make sure the husband stays, make sure the wife stays, create too much of a guilt to make sure the marriage breaks up. It's the oldest story in the world. So she's not a bad person. But the problem you have here is that if it doesn't work out, you're a management consultant for crying out loud at McKinsey. How many days are you going to be at home? Four days a week if you're lucky. You're going to see your child very little. That's assuming you have a career after you have a child because you're going to be out of it for nine months or whatever the maternity leave period is. And you leave them at home with your husband who I can assure you, no matter how many men say they're going to take care of a kid, there are very few that will do it consistently, right? And the second point is about maintaining control. it never works. You can't control people. And you know, if you're building this entire fairy tale story in terms of um, your ability to manage the home environment, you've got a problem. And I'll tell you why it's a problem. There's a phrase I use a lot of clients, which is "never mess with the bear." And I mention this to clients. Say, "What do you mean, never mess with the bear? What does that even mean?" I say, "What well, that means is never mess with the Russians." And say, "Okay, what does that mean? What does that have to do with my case training?" And I say, "Okay, if you study military history, you will know that every major European power tried to conquer Europe by eventually going after the Russians. They first start their campaign of theater in." Continental Europe, taking on the Germans. If it's you know, if it's the, if it's the French, they'll take on the Germans, the British. Then they'll go after the Russians. If it's the Germans, they'll take on the French, then the British. Then they'll go after the Russians, right? And everyone fails. Why? Why do they fail? They fail because they try to fight a war on two fronts. You're fighting a war on the Western theatre, and then you're opening in a line of attack on the Eastern theatre. Now, my philosophy that I had when I was a partner in my own personal life, and when I was counselling my, um, um, you know. Associate principals and engagement managers. They said, never have a war on two fronts. You must understand this. You cannot be fighting a war at home, and you cannot be, in inverted commas, fighting a war to get the best work out with clients because you won't survive that. You need to have peace on one front. Now, if you choose to have peace on the home front and you choose to be struggling at your career at McKinsey, I'll fire you after 12 months if you can't improve but at least there's a chance you'll improve because you can dedicate all of your effort to what's happening you know, in the office. Now, if everything is going well at the office and things are going bad at home, that's also manageable to me because since things are going well at the office, you don't have to dedicate so much time at the office and you can spend some time to hopefully fixing things at home. But if you're fighting a war on two fronts, things are going bad at the office and things are ba- going bad at home, you've got a lot of problems here. Now, how does all of this tie up to the concept of understanding significant others and the story about the you know bright young lady joining mckinsey well if i look at the strategy she's putting together she's basically in my opinion and i could be completely wrong here and the fact that she doesn't have access to these podcasts means that she's not listening to my personal advice about her is the fact that i think she's getting married to control someone and she may think this is going to work out but i suspect that it's never going to work out because no one wants to be controlled and i think she's setting herself up to have a war on two fronts because at some point she is something's going to happen on the home front and things are going to corrode on the home front which is going to affect her work patterns at the office and because she's someone easily influenced and that's how i you know read her character I suspect that whatever happens at home is going to have a very deep impact on our work life. So, how do you manage these things? How do you make sure these things don't happen to you? I think it's very difficult to do that, right? I think we all know that managing a home, you know, a successful home life is difficult. You know, for I got married when I was really young, early 20s. So, I've been married throughout my entire consulting career, and I think that you need someone who's really understanding. So in the, so understanding in the sense that you're not home for birthdays, not home for Valentine's Day, not home for Christmas, not home for any major event. Worse, if you're a pretty good consultant, you are not just not at home, you are sometimes called out to attend to things on an important day at short notice. You need someone pretty understanding to do that. My observations of couples is that very few people are that understanding. Now if you're going into a relationship whereby as a consultant you're expecting the other party to carry the workload at home while you out and earn a big in inverted commas a big salary I mean in a in the city where she is that's not going to be a big salary relatively big I would suppose it doesn't work out that way because even though you may be working hard and you may think, "Oh, I'm traveling every day, I'm earning the big salary, and my husband's at home taking care of the child. I can assure you, anyone at home taking care of a child or anyone at home doesn't think that their work is any less difficult. They actually think that there's a glamour uh, depreciating factor due to the fact that they're stuck at home every day in their sweats and you're out there living the life, even though you're probably working harder. So, So how do you manage this? I think that if you are a young consultant or a consultant-to-be who wants to go into management consulting, I think you want to be very careful about understanding what your significant other wants in life. I find a lot of consultants make this jump in, but they haven't really realized what it's like for their significant others. And it's not just the travel. The travel is nothing. The travel is less than nothing, right? I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. After a while of traveling so excessively, you start building a lifestyle, if you're not careful, that doesn't include your significant other, and there's nothing bad about it, I'm not saying that you're having an affair or something, but you get used to patterns, behaviors, and mannerisms that exclude someone else in your life, you get used to doing things your own way, so you're traveling for four days of the week, and you're adopting those patterns, when you get home on a Thursday night or Friday morning, and you kind of don't know how to adjust to doing things together now because you're withdrawn your partner tends to assume that you're upset with him or her and if they're very understanding they'll help you deal with it if they're not very understanding they'll probably emotionally escalate and then you just have a screaming match so you have to be aware of that right the other thing that happens to people that jump in is that you, When you want to join McKinsey or BCG, you are really doing everything you can to get in. You're telling everyone, I want to be there. When you get into McKinsey or BCG and the workload is so tough that you need someone to talk to about it, it's really difficult to go to your significant other and say, you know what, I'm really struggling. I'm not sure if I can make it because I'll tell you something right now. Six out of ten of them are going to say, what are you talking about? You really wanted this. We made a lot of sacrifices on everything to give you this. So why are you complaining about That's the response you're going to get. And as a consultant, you're going to think, oh my God, my significant, other re- my significant other doesn't really understand me. But the reality is that it's not that the significant other doesn't understand you. You don't understand the sacrifices you've asked of your significant other. I need to stop using the word significant other. It's becoming a mouthful. So I'll just say S-O, right? So my point here is that when you're a consultant or an aspiring management consultant, you need to step back for a second and understand the lifestyle, family, and couple choices that you are automatically making by being a management consultant. You're not even giving your significant other or S-O much of a... um, a choice in this, right? Choices have been made by the fact that you've accepted that offer. Secondly, if you don't maintain a clear line of communication with your wife or husband, the marriage starts getting poisoned or the relationship starts getting poisoned. When that starts happening, the person who is meant to be your greatest point of influence becomes the most corrosive influence you have because you've not invested in that relationship and if you haven't invested in the relationship what happens you have a relationship that decays and the person that you think is giving you useful advice actually doesn't care anymore is not interested in just reinforcing what you're thinking or worse you know the worst thing i've ever seen and i'm not blaming the wives or husbands for this because i really think that they're you know consulting um, husband, you know, partners have put them through a lot but I've seen situations whereby these consultants have been working so long to make partner that and it's placed such a, a major stress on their personal life that their wives and husbands are now putting them under excessive pressure to make partner to, to justify every sacrifice made and can you blame the wife? I mean, no, right? The, Consulting partner packages are quite excessive. They want a good life given all the sacrifices they've made. But that can become pretty, you know, what's the word? Nagging is probably the word. Where the wife or husband constantly wants you to get promoted, constantly wants you to achieve things because of all the sacrifices you've made. And that continues poisoning the relationship. So what is the advice I have for this young person? My advice to them is that you're early 20s. If you are getting into a relationship because you think you can control someone, you might as well forget about it because you are starting this off on completely the wrong basis of understanding. If you think you can control that person and that is the genesis or that is the kernel on which your assumption of a happy marriage sits, then you are going to be sadly mistaken in five years because that entire assumption is going to be upended. And I know how it looks. I mean, you can't really talk to people about this because they think they've thought it through. They think they know the person. I can assure you, you don't know the person until you've been through a major crisis. I've always tell people that, and this is my personal advice to many people, is that, Don't marry the person until you've been through a major crisis. Because until you've been through a major crisis, you don't know what the person is like. Being happy with someone when things are going well. Well, I can do that. I mean, anyone can do that, right? Things are going well. Everyone's going to be happy. But the point is that you only know what the person is like when you've been through a personal crisis. And, And I'm talking about a personal crisis. I'm talking about something damn big. I'm not talking about something small like your dog died or your, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. It has to be something big. It has to be something really big, where something where you've done something to the other person, not something else has happened to you and the person is there supporting you, but where you've done something to the other person and it really tests the commitment you have to each other. Now I sound like Doctor Phil preaching on marriages, yeah, you and know, probably this podcast is probably going to be popular in Texas. But if you think about it deep down, you know you're not going to have a happy career unless the home front is stable as they say. So this advice about making sure you make good personal decisions so that bad personal decisions don't poison your professional career a few years down the line is very important. The person you end up with for better or worse in sickness and in health is going to be the person Who's going to have the greatest impact on your life, and yeah, I can sit here and preach as a partner about values and so on and judgment, but I can assure you it's like you know it's like subliminal messaging you listen to me maybe a few minutes a day, but you go home and the channel comes on, and unless you're married or with the right person with the right values, everything I just tell you gets wiped out so You've got to think carefully about the decisions you make when you are young. And I think the personal decisions you make when you are young are more important than the professional decisions and and, and I'm serious about that. You know, people uh, fall over themselves to get into Harvard, Oxford and whatever other brand name school out there, you know, Wharton, Yale, Princeton, whatever. And that's not important. Because what's important is you are you surround yourself or at least you are with the one person who is going to make you better in the long term. There are a lot of people getting to Princeton and Stanford who amount to nothing. The majority amount to nothing. But there are people who go to lesser-name schools who have the right kind of influence at home, the right kind of values, that will see them through the short-term liability of not having a brand name on their resume, And will work hard and do the right things and make the right decisions because the right kind of person is guiding them. In the long term, they'll end up doing better. There's a reason why people there's a reason why so many of the wealthiest, most powerful, most influential people in the world don't go to the Ivy Leagues. It's not because the Ivy Leagues don't produce great people, they do. But what's more important is the home environment you're in if it's one which teaches you you know respect hard work not even hard work but you know creativity you know doing what you enjoy um the right kind of values you'll always be successful in the long term and i can see that a lot with you know clients who they've had a lot of success but they think they can manufacture their home life you can't manufacture it you can't fabricate it you can't decide i'm going to do these things to control these actions and therefore i'm going to be happy because you're not going to be happy you know you're basically cheating yourself out of a chance of actually finding someone who can be a good sounding board rather than a you know glorified babysitter and the 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 topic is, was important enough for me that I see so many young people making this mistake that I think it's important to discuss it. Now, I used a um, really, really young um, client as an example here, but I've seen older people make this decision. Or bad, I bad not one it's a bad decision but they make this decision without thinking through the consequences I've seen plenty of males do this as well in fact I would say to some extent males do this more than females because in our culture it's, well in any culture it's almost assumed that the man is the head of the family and the woman is going to be doing certain things it doesn't work out that way anymore and it actually shouldn't work out that way anymore so you know, closing words here is that to quote some great military strategist the home front must always be protected when you're fighting a war when you lose the home front you've lost the war and the same thing applies to personal lives the home front not in inverted commas anymore is the most important area to protect, and you need to make sure that the people who are guiding you on a daily basis subliminally are giving you the right kind of messages because if they're not then no amount of mentoring or even psychiatric help is going to help you. You basically toast by that point. As always, I'm sure there will be a lot of comments about this, and I would be more than happy to provide my um, feedback to them. Thank you.